Well, good morning and blessings to you all from Shenandoah, where if you're driving in the, on those roads, you're probably either going uphill or downhill. And if you happen to be in Shenandoah or anywhere remotely close, you want to be careful because your car could get swallowed by a pothole. Okay, both those are a little bit of an exaggeration, but yep, we're up in the cool country. It's hilly. Um, the roads are rough, but um, there is also a local body there, a local church that loves serving the Lord. And that is the church that where I'm coming from and bring you blessings from them. And we also thoroughly enjoy entertaining visitors. Just saying. But I did want to say we appreciate your support a lot. Um, the Church of Shenandoah came from Myerstown, and we um, certainly enjoy, uh, uh, appreciate your support and want to welcome you to come see what you're supporting. Um, there's quite a few that you, of you that have come up, and we appreciate that every time you come. Before you come up, call one of us, see if we have any activities going. We'd be glad to plug you in somewhere. Um, what Joey said earlier, um, there's, there's chances to serve, for sure. Um, there's, yeah, see if we have any activities going. Uh, not a lot has happened recently since COVID rolled in and seems to be staying for a while. We had to shut our clubs down early. And yeah, a lot of our mission either slowed down, changed somewhat, or some of it is, like our, our clubs, is non-existent right now. But we do plan to have VBS that starts tomorrow night. Um, it's going to look a little different. I'm probably going to stress social distancing, at least in some way. However you do that with children, I'm not sure. But um, something like that. We're going to have classes Monday through Friday. And then Saturday, we're going to have what we call our fun night. Some of you may have been up for that other years. We're going to have a singing group up. We're gonna have food. I'm not in charge of that, that's Tristan's job. I'm thinking we're gonna have chicken barbecue. Again, anybody's welcome. That starts at 5 p.m. There's gonna be games for the children. Um, don't know what all it's gonna be. We have a couple of games that we use from year to year. Um, chicken barbecue. And there's a group coming up to do, do some singing probably for an hour or so. Uh, I don't know who that is, but I was told it's, it's lined up. We were trying to decide up until pretty much last minute if we're going to keep it or not. And Tristan said, well, the group said they'd come, so we're going we're gonna to go with it. So feel free to come up for that if next Saturday night you have nothing to do and you want to redeem your time in Shenandoah. We just built a pavilion in the backyard. I don't think any of you saw that because it was just this week. Put a pavilion up and plan to use that for summer Bible school. Also, there was a, I don't know how to describe it really, a train set, like a playground train. Stands maybe this tall, has uh, an engine with three cars maybe. Donated to us from the local ice cream shop, Chill Out. I'm sure some of you have been there. Um, we get to know Bob. It's the owner there. We all know him at least somewhat. Dale knows him fairly well. He owns a business fairly close to our house, so he drives by, very friendly guy. And he gave that to us, so a few changes have happened this past week. If you're not familiar with Shenandoah, 
By the way, Shenandoah is just too long of a word. You kind of change that after you've been there for a while. You abbreviate just a little bit. So that is something that wears on you. We are a small group. We're about 50 people on an average Sunday. Um, last week, I was talking with Dale, and I said, just mentioned to him that I'm not going to be around next Sunday. I'm coming down here. And he said, oh, do you like going down there? Well, kind of makes me nervous. And he said, oh, he, he kind of gets an adrenaline rush going down to, going down to Myerstown again. It's, where he, it's what he's used to, and yeah, he, can, he can kind of enjoy that. Um, it's what he was, yeah, it's where he, obviously where he originated, and a larger group was what he was used to. He said it was difficult at first moving up to Shenandoah, having the, the small group. It was, an, it was an adjustment for him, so he, he enjoys big groups. So whenever you see Dale's name on your bulletin, pack it out. That's, that's his sweet spot. Um, but I told him I'm, I'm not there yet. Maybe sometime I'll, I'll um, want to talk to bigger groups. But I've also said that what's the difference between talking to 20 people or 200 people? I did the math recently. That's 10 times, and that's kind of a lot. <laughs> so just saying, um, you might get to test your own theory sometimes, so be careful what you say. Um, sometimes the boldness of your words will get you in trouble. So... Um, yeah, and yeah, again, appreciate all your support, your prayers, and we love you as a mother church. For a message this morning, I'm going to be looking in Matthew chapter 6, very familiar verses. It is part of the Sermon on the Mount. For a question prior to that, is everybody enjoying the abundance of oxygen this morning? I don't know if you thought about it when you woke up, how you took a nice breath of probably fresh air. Um, they say the air is polluted at least somewhat, but not that bad. You're sitting here, I'm guessing you're breathing pretty easily. I mean, our oxygen level is, is pretty good. I didn't think about it, that it was poor. Oxygen is essential to all life, and without it we would die. That's common knowledge. A person can go approximately three weeks without food, Three days without water, but only three minutes without oxygen. These are, that was just an easy figure. Um, it's going to vary from person to person, but um, you could probably go maybe a little more, but just saying when things start to break down and you start, your body starts being in trouble, that's about, that's approximate numbers. So three minutes without oxygen. We all understand that physical oxygen is essential. So why do we act like we can do without spiritual oxygen? And that spiritual oxy oxygen that I want to talk about is prayer. Maybe you don't think that, and hopefully you don't think that we can do without prayer. I just know for myself, sometimes it's a struggle. And different times, messages that I preach is maybe things that I've needed to study more maybe some things that I've been struggling with. Um, and yeah, that's some of the reason this came to me. I'm not, um, I'm not saying I don't have a prayer life. I'm not saying that at all. But it's something that I can continually grow on. And as I looked into this, what does the Bible say about prayer? Do you, have, do you What is your prayer life like? Is it alive? Is it refreshing? And hopefully that's what it is. Or is it boring? repetitious or non-existent, the two sides of the coin. 
Do you view, do you view prayer as a privilege? Prayer is the ability to have direct access to God. He, didn't give, he, didn't, he did not have to give us this option, but he chose to. John 3.16 God says, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And through the events of Christ's life, him dying on the cross, and gives us direct access to God. God loved the world so much that he gave us direct access to himself through his son. God is not just some mystical maybe or mystical somebody up there. No, he is a personal God, and he wants to hear from us. And he, in his word, he has given us direction on how to pray. So if he's going to give us direction on how to pray, apparently it is important to him. In my message, I have three points. The first one is, enter into thy closet. The second one is, thou shalt not. And the third one is, after this manner, pray. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer mainly. The third point I will spend the most time on. But right now I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand, they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have in need of before you ask him. After this manner therefore pray, Sorry, verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm going to stop there. My first point is enter into thy closet. And as you know, you probably noticed the points are, are phrases from our text. But the question I really have is, why should we pray if God already knows what we need? Verse 8 says, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. So you might ask the question, well, really what's the point? Because he knows already. And I have a few reasons on why God wants us to pray, or why, why it, rather why it is important to pray. First of all, it is a commandment. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 tells us to pray without ceasing. And prayer should be the attitude of the Christian one reason why we should pray. Secondly, it keeps us in tune with God and his will. Have you ever asked someone, have you ever been asked about someone you knew, a long, knew long ago, 
And if you haven't been keeping in contact with them, you probably couldn't give any reliable information. Maybe somebody brought up an old, uh, um, yeah, a time long ago saying, hey, you remember when we did that? Hey, do you, do you know how that person's doing? And you haven't been keeping in contact with them, so no, not really. I mean, maybe you could um, say some, mention some things that you knew about previously, but nothing real accurate. We need to stay in close contact with people if we're going to know what they like, because our ambitions change, our interests change. Um, we need to stay in close contact. Now, God's interests, they do not change, but we need to stay in close contact if we're going to feel the heartbeat and if we're going to know the will of God. Important, yeah, very important to pray and to feel that heartbeat. Like I said earlier, prayer is our, is our direct access to God. And God will speak to us, whether it's, well, I mean, there's, there's various ways God can speak to us, but it's very important that we keep our prayer life open and interested in the will of God. The third thing I thought of is why is it important to pray is it's a safe place to dump all of our troubles and worries. Um, it's just a very safe place. First Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Um, and it should be a place of relief. I know it's a lot easier said than done. Um, that is what the Lord desires. He desires that we cast our care upon him because he does care for us and he will take care of us. So important to keep that connection open through prayer. Number two, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. And it's mentioned a few times in the first couple of verses. When you pray, do not be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues. So do not be in the hypocrites standing in public to be seen of others or to receive attention and the praise of other people for their... Um, be seen in other people for your, your piety. Um, Jesus points out this problem, and he's pointing to a proud heart. He mentions how they, they, wanna, they want to be seen of others. See what I do, see what I give. He talks about, um, I believe it's previously to this, um, giving alms in secret. So he, he talks about doing things to the glory of God and not to the glory of others. He also mentions in verse 7, do not use vain repetitions. Again, for the praise and the approval of man. Um, Jesus says they will have their reward. And, yeah, they will have the, the, the approval of men, have the praise of man. Now, I'm not saying that prayer publicly or even a long prayer is wrong. That's not what he's saying. It's not what I'm trying to say. Um, what he's saying is, is the heart attitude towards it. These people that are standing in public, they, the first instance that comes to mind is the Pharisee and the publican. They, they both went up in the temple to pray, but this Pharisee was just heaping praise on himself for what he does. Um, it appeared, I mean, it was a parable, so um, probably didn't actually happen, but um, probably talking loudly enough that people could hear, this is, this is what I do, Lord, recognize this. Um, and Jesus says that, that's not right. That is looking for the approval and the praise of man. And he was, this Pharisee was on and on 
about what he does. And the publican, the tax collector, just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Short and to the point and with a heart of sincerity. And that is what, what Jesus is, is pointing to. A heart of sincerity, one that is, is looking to glorify God and not self. And the last point, I'm going to spend quite a bit more time here, is after this manner, pray. We're going to look down through what's known as the Lord's Prayer. In my Bible, the heading says the model prayer. It was a prayer to model their prayers after. Now, Jesus is talking to a group. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so he's, he's giving them something to model their prayers after. Um, it's not that this, this should simply be a prayer in itself. Um, I see no problem with it being used as a prayer. Um, we as a family, we say this together sometimes. I think it's, it's great. You can't go wrong by memorizing scripture. Um, but I was looking into it more, and what he's pointing out is, is how our, our attitude should be. If we look in the, the context of these verses, he, he mentions these, these proud hearts, these ones that are, are um, praying for, their, for recognition and for praise of others. And he says this is wrong, and he says, pray this way. He's, he mentions in... Verse 6, closing, going into the closet and closing the door, praying in secret, um, where nobody's going to see, nobody's going to know. Um, it's to the glory of God. And our attitude toward God, toward prayer, I think we can pull several different things from the Lord's Prayer on how we view prayer. Let's start with with, um, verse, with verse 9. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm going to stop with that. This speaks in reverence. Reverence and holy. This acknowledges the holiness of God. Our Father speaks of, of, one, of a personal, it's a personal um, name. Our Father. But hallowed. It's not really a word that we use a whole lot, but hallowed means holy and sacred. And I believe if we truly come to, to God with saying, our Father, you are holy, we're, going, we're coming before God with a sense of awe and um, recognizing that God is holy, God is without sin. I don't really have any proof of this, but um, as I was studying Sometimes I feel that our authority-defying culture tends to subtly undermine the holiness of God among Christians. Like I said, I don't have proof of that, but we have such a culture that just defies authority. And hopefully it's not among you or among myself, but it, it feels to... Anybody that's in charge of us, we kind of we kind of grate against that. Um, yeah, I don't have proof that this is actually something, but it it um, sometimes it feels that way with some things that I hear. Um, the casual approach towards God, 
do we come with a, with a sense of reverence, acknowledging that God is truly holy? Your kingdom or thy kingdom come, thy will be done. A heart of submission, yielding to the will of God, not my agenda. And probably for me, this is be one of the hardest, um, totally laying down my agenda for God's agenda. I like to be in control. I'm sure you all could say that. There is a sense of security in that, realizing that you have things under control. But if you think about it, it is, it is a fairly false sense of security. Um, I like to drive my own vehicle. Sometimes I do sit in the passenger seat, but not very often. I like to be in control of the vehicle. But there are things as I'm driving my car, my van now, that are out of my control. So the security in coming from me being behind the wheel is somewhat a false sense of security. So do we come to God your kingdom come, do we desire the advancing of God's kingdom and our will in our, our, our time here on earth? That, that, yeah, are we giving up our will for his will? It really um, takes a, a heart of submission, yielding to, being open to the will of God. Is it our desire to see God's kingdom advanced, and are we willing to be used to advance it? I doubt anybody would say, um, no, it's not my desire to see, to see God's kingdom advanced. I'm pretty certain you wouldn't say that. Um, but then ask, your, ask yourself the question, are you willing to be used to advance it? And now I'm not saying that everybody needs to go on foreign missions. There's a lot more to advancing God's kingdom than that. Um, just a question I'm going to leave. I'm... Each, each dancer for themselves. Some are called to foreign missions, some are not. Um, there's local missions. But are you willing to be used to give of your time, give of yourself, your agenda? Will you take a part day, take a full day off of work at short notice because kingdom work that needs done? Like I said, this is a challenge for myself. The willing to lay aside my plans, my agenda to, um, at a moment's notice, do things to further God's kingdom. It's a willingness to lay down our desires for his perfect will. Do we come before God like that? Give us this day our daily bread. And I believe this, this um, recognizes our dependence on God. Acknowledging him as the giver and the sustainer of all good things, both physical and spiritual. And I just want to point out, it says daily bread. Do this, and this, this part takes trust. Um, do we trust God daily? Or do we kind of like to have things maybe planned already, 
have some stuff stored up, some things stored up that doesn't take as much trust. And I'm sure we wouldn't, wouldn't say that. I want a bank account pretty big so I don't have to trust God. I'm you know, sure we wouldn't say that. But if the challenge comes, can we, can we, do we come to God like that, acknowledging him as um, the giver and the sustainer of, of all things we're seeing daily bread. We know bread is something we eat physically, but he also talks about spiritual bread, and he is the giver and sustainer of both. Verse 25 of the same chapter says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? It's just a call to trust God, to believe that he will provide and sustain us. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This recognizes our sin problem and our likeliness to, to fail. If we are acknowledging we need forgiven, we are acknowledging that we have failed. Notice, as we forgive our debtors. Jesus said in the later verses, verses 14 and 15, um, that if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. Let me read those again. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So I don't want to say that we forgive others to receive merit from God because I don't think that's really what he's saying. But he is, he is laying down the law of if you choose not to forgive, you have bitterness, there's envy or whatever it might be in your heart. You're holding a grudge of something and you're out of the will of God and God won't forgive you. We should not forgive to receive merit, but rather out of love and recognition of what we've been forgiven of. And you could go a long time on forgiveness, what forgiveness is, and um, yeah, how forgiving others is really more beneficial to yourself than the one you're forgiving. But um, what we're, what we're looking at here in the Lord's Prayer is, is how we're approaching these things. Do we have the right mindset? And so far, all of these is just a, a lowliness of mind, not, not um, promoting myself. Everything is, is it's recognizing who God is, his will, his sustenance, and his ability to forgive. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver, lead and deliver. All power comes from God. Of our own, we cannot stand against the devil and his tactics. And we acknowledge that by saying, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. The Lord allows trials and temptations, if you will, to come into our lives. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 
he promises. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So we acknowledge that trials and temptations will come, but we also acknowledge that God can deliver us and he will not put us in a situation that we cannot escape. And we should take lots of comfort in that, recognizing God for that. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. A shout of praise, recognizing God as eternal and all-powerful and that all glory is his. It's all about God. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Everything belongs to God. Now, I don't want this to look like like a long checklist of do's and don'ts, um, but rather a reminder that our desires need to be in their proper place. And I mentioned that earlier of the context of these verses is he compares, he points out the proud heart of the hypocrites and why they pray, but rather pray like this. We need to be under the will of God. I believe you really could put the Lord's Prayer in one word and it would be humility. If we look down over these, reverence, holiness, we acknowledge God in reverence and holiness. His will above our will. Recognizing Him as the giver and sustainer. Forgiving us, recognizing our wrong and our weaknesses. Leading and delivering us. And then just recognizing Him as, as powerful. Um, all power is His. If you think over all of those, where does that put me or you? And I believe it puts us in our proper place. It puts God in his proper place, high above us, in a, in a proper way. I believe many issues would be resolved if we would keep God as our focus. And that's a pretty broad statement, but um, if we would keep God, keep God as our focus, focus on humility, and come to him in that, in that way. But a lot of problems could be taken care of. Now, this is not a prayer to replace all prayers, but it's rather a reminder that our heart needs to be in tune with God. Um, this does not cover like different types of prayers. We think of intercessory prayers, prayers of repentance, um, but rather this is more of maybe examining our hearts before we, before we come to God. Do we have God in the proper place? Do I come to God expecting more of him, like expecting him to, to meet my standards, or which are much below his, but to, to, that he would do what I do? Am I coming with a demanding heart? Give me this, give me that. I wanna do this, so open things up so that it might be that. Um, 
And I believe the Lord's Prayer just, if we think on it and don't just, don't just say it, um, because I believe you probably all have it memorized very well, you could probably say it and not even really think about what you're saying. But if we stop and dwell on it, I believe it puts our hearts and our minds in, in their proper place, in tune with God. And if our hearts and minds are in tune with God, we're going to desire a prayer life, and our prayer life will be alive. And if our prayer life is alive, we will be in tune with God and what his will and his desire is. So that's what I wanted to bring with, with looking at the Lord's Prayer. So to conclude, just a few points to be reminded that God desires to hear from us. The first point was that God wants to hear from us. That prayer is important because God is a relational God and he wants to hear from us, even, if, even though he knows what we need before we ask and even much better than we do. Also, that we will seek the will of God and not the praise of man. Um, we like to be praised. We like to be recognized. Um, but God says, seek the will of God first and foremost. You know, just in our prayers, that's what we should be doing. Seeking the will of God, not, not showing off so that others would, would, would notice. And that we would come to God with a humble heart and a proper attitude toward God. When we pray to God in the morning, is it with this attitude, with the humbleness, or is it, uh, hey God, here I am, got a little bit, going to work, take care of me, watch the family, I'm out of here. Just casual, not putting God in his proper place, or is it, Wow, I have the privilege and the honor to speak to God. God, what would you have me to do? A quote from Billy Graham says, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. And I didn't touch on the power of prayer, but there is a lot of power in prayer. But first of all, our, our prayers need to be, our hearts need to be in the proper place so our prayers can be in the proper place. So, a challenge for myself, and a challenge to you, is do you come before God acknowledging who he is? He's not one that is supposed to be serving you, doing what you want him to do, but rather otherwise. Are you willing to change your agenda for his agenda? And do you recognize him as the, the giver of life? Hopefully you do. I invite you all to stand for a closing prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word, that you desire a relationship from us, and that you, you want to hear from us. I just pray that we would see that as a, an honor to be able to call on your name. And that we would do it with the right heart and the right mind, first of all, for myself and then each one here. Help us to um, inspect our lives. Are we coming before God with a heart of humbleness for who you are? Lord, we thank you for your mercies and your grace. I just pray for each one here. Pray you bless each one.
bless the Myerstown congregation. And I just pray that all that we say and do going forward from here would glorify and honor you. We pray this in your name. Amen.